welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Welcome back, folks, to episode 132 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. On this episode, we're chatting with Craig McCarthy from North Mountain Adventures. Before we get rolling on that, though, uh, this episode is also brought to you by Jiffy Ice Augers. So if you're looking to upgrade your ice auger for this coming season, uh, head over to jiffyonice.com and check out their full lineup of ice augers and ice fishing gear. Plus, they also have some other cool stuff like some spices and other accessories on there as well. So that's JiffyOnIce.com. I'm really excited to see what Jiffy's got going into the into the new season here. They, yeah. uh, I know they've tipped their cap a little to us and said they got some new styles coming out or new products. Yeah, yeah, they, they seem to be uh, um, really working on on um, some competitive stuff on the market. So um, really interested to see what what comes out this this winter. Um, so yeah, tonight we got myself and Tristan here, uh, on, on the intro and outro and, uh, on the North Mountain Adventures episode here, we got a little elk talk, a little moose talk, deer hunting and outfitting. Plus Craig also films his own episodes, um, his own hunts and he's on, on wild TV. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of conversation that we have, different conversations that we have tonight, but, uh, coming up here, Tristan, we are in the at the start of archery elk season right now, and at the start of deer hunting season, archery deer hunting season. Um, what uh, what are you thinking, man? We got we got some elk, kind of some some hunting plans coming up this weekend. A little upland, little elk chasing elk, maybe chasing deer, maybe. Yeah, this uh, North Mountain podcast could not come at a better time because it is just starting to gear up here as you know like maybe earlier in our lives here we've we talked about it quite a bit like i probably would have had stuff lined up a lot earlier you know like all my equipment and gear lined up camp plans firmly in place leaning into all this but because of our lifestyles right now some things just happen more last minute but you and i just connected over just uh you know you doing some elk hunting this coming up weekend and me kind of supporting some of that and it it really just lit a fire in me for the first time in a long time i feel like i haven't felt that giddy about hunting since maybe we went up to moose camp uh in last last year so it's just been weird with the pandemic and all the stuff that seems to get shuffled around with with uh stuff changing I'm really looking forward to to hitting the woods here. So to just dive into some of the the big game stuff is is absolutely just thrilling. I think I was I was sitting there on the couch sharpening my knife because I was I remembered from last year. I was like, hey, when I was cutting out that deer last year, late season, things weren't feeling as sharp as they should be. So I like got off the couch at 10 p.m. last night and was like tuning up the blade just to make sure she's good to go for this weekend. Cause we always say, keep your knife sharp. Keep, <laughs> yeah. 
keep an edge on the blade yeah how, yeah. how are you how are you doing chase i i feel like i talked a lot there good man good man looking looking forward to this weekend been chatting with a few fellows in the elk woods and uh things are definitely pretty damp out there but still managing to find some bugles so i'm hoping we can chase a few this weekend coming up uh fingers crossed we have a couple good encounters but uh you never know and then uh just been doing some prep work man uh tuning up broadheads and and uh feeling like i am behind the eight ball here a little bit getting prepared for elk hunting season but like you said man less time to do everything right now in life so we're just i'm just kind of putting everything together as fast as i can but uh should be good to go for the weekend and uh yeah looking forward to a little elk maybe a little upland hunting with willie mixed yeah, in that, there that that's exciting if we can get willie on a few chickens i think this weekend it's just gonna be uh it'll be just add to to the depth of the experience i feel like yeah yeah sounds like he's pretty excited he's listening <laughs> yeah ready for some chickens can you hear him back there yeah oh jesus willie relax <laughs> squeaking away oh my god yeah okay he just he just settled down sorry about that folks he's, <laughs> yeah he's pretty jacked up yeah and we just we switched him over to like the high performance dog food for the fall so i think he's got a little octane in the tank right now nice nice That's you cool. mentioned a yeah you mentioned a little bit of water in the Elkwood Zoo, and I'm just thinking like we we're looking at. I was looking at Keevan Erickson's story today. I sent that to you too. He's he was hunting in waders. Yeah, in the Elkwoods. I'm like, holy man! I don't know if I'm mentally prepared to hunt in waders right now. Yeah, I, I don't know how how it's all going to go down. Go down. I got a bit of a plan put together to like stay on high ground, but I know in the past there hasn't really been much that kind of kept us from going from point a to point b and yeah. the way we traveled across the terrain was it was pretty easy and i mean if your boots got wet a little bit it was no big deal but now we're talking like waist deep water in a lot of the areas that we we frequently hunted so uh and traveled across so gonna be looking for different ways to get around those large swamps and you know just trying to stay on the high ground and see it's going to be interesting to see how how things roll out here yeah, and I know we could say with all good intentions that we're going to stay out of the water to the best of our ability, but I also know at the same time that as soon as we hear an elk bugle, like all bets are off. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> point A to point B through the water, swimming if we have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe you'll have to use that dry bag yet before you head up to Moose Camp. Who knows? The other thing that it got me thinking about is just like, I feel like this is going to, this might be another opportunity to put the wool up to the, the full test here. Just like how wet can you get mm -hmm. before things get real chilly? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know things are going to be cooling down for the weekend a little bit because I'm cooler nights. Uh, nothing too crazy yet, but still enough to catch a chill and hot enough during the day to, to work up a sweat i think so um definitely going to be putting those antimicrobials to the test huh. and um you know we're going to like i'm have full intentions of of just being damp out there you know so yeah. um I, i'm it kind of ups the confidence level knowing that there's going to have something high performance to help me out in the woods we did get some fresh stuff from wolof so i'm looking forward to bringing out a second set 
just in case you know what i mean for the the amount of space it takes up in the packing yeah and just how good that dry feels to to be to be kind of dry and not clammy or not swamped yeah i mean it makes a i feel like it really extends your hunt so yeah there's almost like no better feeling than spending a morning soaking wet and then coming back and put on like a a fresh pair of dry socks well, and the, yeah, the the good news is, is I actually got my socks this time around, <laughs> so I'm all socked up. Nice, nice. Which is excellent news. And yeah, I'm just really, it, it's just nice to have that extra confidence factor heading into the woods. So if you, if you do want to get into Swole Love, you can check them out online at Love. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've been a long time supporter of the podcast, but also one of our favorite products to kind of take outside, whether it's hunting, fishing, or just even camping. I know, and Chase, yours is uh, casual houseware as well. Yeah, totally. Casual wear. And uh, you can also check them out on Amazon. They got some products on there as well. So if you got your Amazon account, fire it up, check it out, fill it up, and uh, get prepared for fall. And, you know, I'm not a particularly superstitious kind of person but if you wanted to reach out over social media and just let us know not only that you're listening but just wish us a little luck in the, the woods this weekend i think it would go a long ways because it's we've had a tough go in the interlake bush hey chase i've got a couple bottles of wine coming up that were earmarked for previous elk camps <laughs> that have not been cracked um so things could get dangerous if we do down one but uh it's just, yeah, we we could use a little luck in our corner this year, I think. Yeah, send the good vibes. I know there's a, there's always a, a few good folks out there that are that are uh, kind of in the same same boat we are, but also uh, hunting some pretty close to us that uh, we we chat with that you know um, are sending us good luck. But if you're if you're listening and uh, want to send us that that good energy, send it on over, man. Yeah. And uh, also same to you, if you're, if you're heading the woods or the water this weekend, I know a lot of fishing is going to be heating up. Duck hunting season is just turning up here in our area of the woods. Um, lots of folks are already out for elk and archery deer. Um, we're going to wish you luck and we're going to wish you uh, kind of a safe excursion. Our buddy Greg there, I just saw is down in Montana. So like just all kinds of adventures hitting the road here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wish you all your luck and uh, be sure to share those harvest photos with us too because we just love I, I fucking love that shit so yeah i love seeing that stuff coming in uh tag us share it with us we'll repost on the story and yeah spread the love well should we welcome craig on here i i didn't get to sit on this one but like i said i'm just super excited to be tapping into uh, a little big game energy heading into the weekend yeah well get you fired up for sure here's uh craig mccarthy from north mountain adventures well today's show i am pretty happy with today's guest Uh, i've worked with him before i've seen him around the workplace and he's also a guide outfitter around the riding mountain area we'd like to welcome to the show craig mccarthy thanks man excited to be here good connections I heard you had to go to a different uh, spot to go and get ready for this podcast. Yeah, you bet. I'm at my uh, in-laws. They're not home, so it worked out good. Perfect. Still, still a couple shots of rum, and here we go. <laughs> Top it back up with water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. So how we're going to do this, Craig, is we're going to do five burning questions. Chase, do you have any lined up or no? I got a few here. I can, I can drum a few up here pretty quick, yeah. Sure. I'll start out with the first one. 
Five burning questions, Craig, is just basically for our audience to get to know our guests and for us to get to know our guests a little bit and uh, we kind of just go through them. You can add some long form, short form. Um, but my first question is if you have one dream hunt to put on, like a bucket list hunt that maybe you've done or you haven't done, what is it? Uh, I think I would have to say I'd like to take a uh, bighorn sheep down on video. Um, whether it's with my bow or my rifle, it don't matter, but I think that would be my ultimate goal that I have. Nice. Big word sheep. I've always thought of, yeah. Um, what are the white ones called? Mountain sheep, mountain goat. What are the big, like white furry ones called? I think it's mountain. Mountain, mountain goats. Goat. Yeah. With a little spiky. Mount. Yeah. Yeah. Those are mountain goats. Yeah. That's kind of like, I've always thought those are pretty majestic, but those, yeah, the big curls on on those are pretty pretty cool too chase you got number two two and four yep um craig since you're a western manitoba fella i'm curious um what's your favorite lake to fish in western manitoba my favorite lake to fish in the summertime would probably be lake of the prairies and in the wintertime would be lake dolphin yeah you guys have um pretty like pretty good success on lake dolphin last few years and from what i've known like i've probably fish it four or five times a winter usually late december early january but it seems to be like slowing down a bit is that do you see that or no yeah it's been really good until last winter actually it slowed down and uh, i talked to conservation about it um surprisingly enough one of my neighbors is a conservation officer oh nice. so he he uh, told me that um, just because our lake, the water levels were so low and, the you know, we get a lot of ice. So he said there's a lot of fish down there just went dormant. So um, we're and we got a lot of water this year. So we're hoping that it's going to pick right back up this winter. Yeah, I was going to say we can uh, test that theory out because it seems like we got a lot of water laying around now in Manitoba. And if it stays like that for the rest of the summer, it could be a maybe a good year for like dolphin this winter. Yeah, if the uh, well, typically like high water levels are great for for spawning walleye um, if all the cards line up properly. So, fingers crossed, we got another banner crop coming across the province. Hopefully, yeah. Um, question number three. This is my favorite question. But uh, if you have, or if you had one last meal, what would you have? What would you have to drink? You can even throw a dessert in there if you like. Well, that's pretty easy. I would uh, have fresh garden potatoes sliced up in a pan on the open fire alongside a elk, deer, or bear loin backstrap, thinly sliced, fast fried with some mushrooms and onions. And I think uh, I would uh, chase that down with a shot of moonshine and some uh, orange juice. Nice. So is that is that your drink or your dessert? Because it sounds like it could be both. <laughs> That's probably both. Maybe he doesn't make dessert after that drink, though. No. <laughs> I thought he had dessert. Yeah, little moonshine, then straight to bed. Garden potatoes <laughs> is interesting because I don't think anyone said that now. 130-some episodes, 129 episodes, whatever it is. And no one said garden potatoes yet, and it's probably one of my favorites. It might have to go on my list now. Maybe I'll take pierogies and move them off to the side. Okay, I, some some person on uh, social media, I can't remember what, what I was, uh, maybe one of the gardening groups I'm a part of, but said that 
they don't know, notice any difference between garden potatoes and store-bought potatoes. And I thought that was absolutely insane. Yeah, well, obviously they smoke meth. Yeah, they must be. Their taste buds are burned from all the meth they're smoking. Yeah, okay. You can't beat it. Can't beat a fresh potato. What kind of potatoes do you grow? Um, I don't know the exact name, but usually reds and whites. And I usually try to keep them from year to year. I keep enough that mm-hmm. I can just replant again. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, question number four. Obviously, we deal with quite a bit of snow up here. And uh, uh, summertime, the quad is obviously the, the vehicle of choice. But if you have to choose between your snowmobile or quad... Which one would you keep? What would you get rid of? I would get rid of my snowmobile. I uh, absolutely love my Ranger. Nice. Right on. Um, my last question, too, is music. What's on your playlist or what kind of, like, um, concert would you like to go to? Live or Dead? Anyone that's anyone that you ever heard before? Oh, that's a good one. I'm, uh, I'm a country fan. So if I could go to a good concert that i'd probably like to go to a garth brooks concert yeah garth brooks seems to be one that gets brought up all the time and uh i'd be no complaint to my own i'd love to go see him um and i always and another one is too in that like era is alan jackson i know he still like rocks concerts every once in a while same with garth i guess but alan jackson as prime would be pretty pretty wicked i've never seen uh i've seen alan jackson uh alan jackson at uh at uh country fest one year and I'm pretty sure there was more like pieces of female underwear getting thrown up on stage at the <laughs> Alan Jackson <laughs> concert than anyone yeah. else throughout the weekend. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Usually there isn't too much underwear left on at Country Fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, that's I'm, I'm curious too. Um, obviously, you spend a lot of time cruising around in the vehicle and stuff like that. So what do you got? Uh, what's your go-to either station or music when you're, when you're on the road there scouting or hunting or whatever? Uh, my station is probably, I probably just stream on my phone. I listen to a lot of Luke Combs. I, I like him. Nice. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I just stream YouTube and have a playlist on there and I just let her go. And yeah, wicked. Luke Combs is one of my favorite right now, too. I listen to a lot of Luke Combs as well. Not a fan. I don't know why no, I'm eh? not a fan. No? Yeah. No. Oh, my God. I like, I, I, I like his music. It's fine. Like I I don't know, but it's just, I don't know. And then, I mean, Craig, you're like a family man, too, so you must have to listen to a little bit of like whatever the kids are listening to nowadays, too, right? Coco Melon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're already getting older, so, uh, but they're country fans. Um that's yeah, good. they uh, yeah, it's pretty much country in our house. There ain't there ain't too much different. Right um, do you and your wife know how to two step? I know random question, but do you guys like go to socials and go two stepping and shit? Yeah, if she can drag me up there, I will uh, <laughs> do a two step with her. Nice, nice. Right on. Well, how why we wanted to get you on to the podcast is to talk about a little bit of guiding and like around the you know Riding Mountain area. Like, I mean, you don't have to. Um, give out gps coordinates but it's kind of cool because uh we've talked to, to outfitters in far north but we haven't really talked to anybody like in i don't know almost like central manitoba and not only that around one of the um our, our only national park is as in riding mountain you kind of hunt on the around that area so we want to get you on and uh, lies it's all lies we got two, two national parks in manitoba 
What? Yeah, we'll pass. Oh, the we'll pass. Yeah. That's right too. Yeah. Good call. I told you. I always forget about we'll pass, but I know about it. Um. But yeah, and then we're going to talk maybe a little bit about uh, what you got going on nowadays and uh, with the TV show, social media, etc. So, um, but to get started, do you want to maybe just go through on like, uh, like who you are, what you do, how hunting all started for you, and all that jazz? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I guess I live uh, situated in the Oak River area. Grew up in St. Rose, Manitoba, which is only about 15 miles from my house. Uh, yeah, started out with hydro two years after I graduated, and I've been a lineman ever since. Till lately, I'm a field safety officer, just temporary though. So Once lineman, always lineman for for a year. Oh, yeah. That's, and uh... Uh, 2014, I guess 2014 is when I decided that uh, I wanted to be an outfitter and did my stuff and started off small, and then uh, ended up meeting up with another outfitter a couple years later and I bought him out. So I currently have 19 tags and for bear and six tags for deer. And I try to get her all done in the spring so I can leave my falls to elk hunting and moose hunting. But, um, that's about it. Right on. And those, those, quick... uh, those deer tags too, just to, to be clear to anyone that's, uh, from auto problems, those deer tags are obviously for the fall. So you do your six, six deer in the fall and then with your bear can you split them up like uh so many in the spring so many in the fall yeah yeah you're allotted 19 or i'm allotted 19 tags so i can do it spring or fall or split them up right what do you find the most popular like what are what are people usually booking uh they're booking for a color phase bear yeah and and what's that like in your area like is there a pretty good percentage that you'll see one get one yeah, it's probably about thirty oh, percent. Yeah. Um, and some years it's more. I mean, some some weeks we'll go fifty percent with color phase, and it just <laughs> depends what the guys are after. Nice. Yeah, right seems, Manitoba seems to have a pretty good population of color phase bears around. That's for sure. Yeah, even up like uh, yeah, in the far north too. I know there's uh, there's some spots out there that are like very very little. But obviously, it's going to depend on your areas. And then you, then you, yeah. So you guide some deer hunting. What's that like? I mean, we, um, I mean, both Chase and I, and even Tristan, are pretty big deer hunters. But what's it like getting an American, which I'm assuming who you guide generally, coming up to our neck of the woods to hunt deer? Like, are they fairly surprised at the sizes? Like, what, uh, what's the general feedback that you're getting from these, uh, from these clients? Well, I obviously COVID was a big hit on everybody, so I haven't had any for a few years. But the uh, thereafter, they like Manitoba because of the big dark chocolate horns and the mass. Um, so you know, a hundred thirty inch deer with big mass and whatever looks huge to them, right? So that's kind of what they're after yeah. more than anything, and the body size, I guess. Like lots of the guys we talk to, they they'll uh they shoot small deer out there you know and out here our our body masses you can you get a good mature buck you you got a big deer yeah and so for six stands how many or six stands for uh six tags like how many different hunting areas are you kind of like obviously you probably use cameras and and take advantage of that but how many like different stands and stuff are you running for deer hunting i, I would assume you got or yeah what do you got <laughs> I, uh, 
I kind of do it both with bear and deer. I like to have at least two stands per guy, per guy that's out. So if you got a full week of six guys, I make sure that there's 12, 12 spots just in case, you know, you never know if your bear, your bear bait could go dead or even your deer stand, you know, you put somebody in there and they decide that week that they're, they don't like it and they're moving. Mm-hmm. And what, like what type of uh, areas are you setting up for like deer hunting? Um, like a lot of field or is it like right in the middle of the bush or? You know what? It depends on when they're coming, but most guys like to come in the rut. So if they're coming in the rut, it's going to be fence lines and uh, field sides. Oh yeah. Nice. Chase, when you guys were doing that uh, guiding, um, what did you guys normally do? Was it all bush? Yeah. Or did you do some agriculture? Uh, well, a little bit of ag stuff, maybe like very, very small percentage of, of ag stuff, but it was all like public land in the, in the big woods. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always find that like in the big woods, like I hunt a little bit of the big woods, but it's almost like they meander through there so much. Like they're sometimes like they don't even stick to trails that I always think that I'm going to lay down a scent or something bad enough that it'll mess up a hunt. I'm generally on a, on a field edge, but been getting into the big bush more and more. I find that's where a lot of the bigger deer are, but anyways, so then once you, um, so you guide bear guide deer, and then uh, come to the fall time, you, you're talking about elk and moose hunting. Like what, uh, what are you usually like in that area? There's pretty good population of elk, eh? Like, is that where you're hunting your elk or where do you go? Yeah, I, uh, I guess my whole life I've been hunting elk in 23A, which is Long Riding Mountain National Park. But uh, lately, um, we kind of expanded a bit, me and my buddies, and we're kind of trying to get drawn wherever something different just to try it out so last year we did the ducks um we did it on horseback and that was a hit and uh the one of the guys that was with us last year that didn't have a tag he drew a tag so we're going back again nice Nice. and you guys your horses or did you like where'd you where'd you find the horses yeah i have horses and uh the buddy i don't know if you watch some of the shows but dylan was in a couple of them and he's got uh horses as well nice nice how far back in the ducks did you guys go on the horseback? Um, I want to say we rode, I don't, we probably rode a couple miles in and camped. And then we probably rode, I want to say 10, 12 miles a day until we kind of figured out where we wanted to hunt. And then uh, we'd ride back there and drop the horses off, you know, probably half a mile far enough that we know. Uh, we wouldn't wreck our hunt and then we'd mm-hmm. walk in and kind of sit and call and yeah nice nice that's cool like that's that. archery hunting archery yeah you yeah. bet and it's tough too because it's a two-week season two or three-week season it's not very long it's not like 23a so you're you don't have much time <laughs> yeah what's the pressure like in the ducks for archery is there is it did you find or see many other hunters or what what, what was we, your thoughts there I think early on like that, because the season starts right at the start of September, there isn't too much pressure. We did see one other hunter, but otherwise that was it. And I guess when you're on horseback and you get back in the bush, it's a little bit different because lots of times the guys aren't going to walk that far back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of ever... the... Go ahead, Chase. Sorry. I was just going to say a lot of the ducks is designated trail <laughs> only for ATVs and stuff like that. So you get a big advantage on the horseback. You probably get a lot of other, other places that, other guys don't want to go right yeah what's um 
this might sound silly, but do you ever yeah. ever have like concern on the horses? Like, do you ever like throw a orange flag on them or something in case someone shoots one? Or is that just dumb? Uh, you know what? Um, it's probably happened somewhere before, but I mean, when you got three guys on horses with saddles and uh, you're coming through the bush or down a trail, it's not like it's it's not like we're sneaking. Yeah. So, <laughs> If That's you're true. sitting there hunting, you hear that coming, you you know. Yeah. Um, I, so hopefully that never happens, but. Yeah. I was, um, funny story actually, is I was moose hunting in Churchill and um, I, well, I was kind of like southeast of Churchill a little bit. So we're moose hunting, it was like middle of December and I was on a snowmobile sitting there and my cousin, my, I was hunting with my cousin anyways, he came like kind of through the willows. And it was almost, and I could only see like his helmet, which was like black, right? And it was almost to the point I was just like, is that a fucking moose? You know, like it, like, I don't know. And I could almost see how people like can kind of get confused without wearing orange, right? He had his orange vest on, but he was, I could just see his head above the willows. And I'm just like, oh, wow, what was that? But it ended up being him on a snowmobile. So you never know. It can always happen. Always be safe. Yep. But this, um, this horse um deal is kind of interesting is that stuff that you guys do a lot like you own a few horses do you try to implement them in, into your hunting plans every year um yeah we try to like since i was a little kid we rode um like in the fall we'd ride every weekend up in the riding mountain and uh, go call elk and that's what we did we just jumped on the horse and set up camp probably anywhere from 10 to 20 miles in the back country and hopped on elk trails and got into the herds and and call them so it's uh and then of course in riding mountain you can't hunt in riding mountain so if you're hunting 23a you're on the edge you can't go in so it's kind of cool to go to the ducks and be able to ride in and and actually do what kind of make it a little bit different of a hunt than just uh hunting a tree stand or hunting fields that's awesome i would i would love to go back into ride mountain and get back in there into some of the bigger herds and just get uh get bugling right right in the middle of the rut I'm sure that's uh it's a must be a little bit different without the the hunting pressure there yeah and with the horses um i don't know if it's because they're four-legged or what it is but you can get right in the herd and Jeez. they it's just different you can you know 20 yards i've had bulls 20 yards on horseback standing there bugling at us holy smokes oh my god i like make you pee a little Make me feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta get a couple of horses for this fall. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because um, Joe Pell was on the show uh, a couple of years ago now, and he said that he went into the ducks with an outfitter for whitetail, and said that that experience is pretty cool. So I could imagine doing the same thing for elk and would be pretty neat. And it's funny because it's like you've been practicing then since you're a little kid to go horseback riding, backcountry camp, and call an elk, and then now at the ducks you can actually arm yourself. Yeah. Right on. And then what about moose hunting? What are you, what are you doing for that? Uh, I'll be for the whole moose season or most of the moose season. Anyway, I'll be up in, uh, my parents camp McCarthy's guiding and outfitting, um, guiding for my dad. So, uh, from September 17th to the 3rd of October, I'll be, I'll be in a flying. Nice. Where, and, um, what is that? Like the Northern Manitoba, obviously. And then how many clients do you usually run through? Like just, for yourself it's one, one client per guide kind of idea i think for you uh you can do we do two on ones and okay. then uh 
Um, if you want a one-on-one, it's just a bit extra because it's kind of like when you're bringing guys in on the planes and stuff, they're so expensive that it's kind of nice to at least have a couple guys in the same camp with one guide. Oh yeah. And, uh, usually the area is pretty good. So there's a good chance that it's mostly buddies that come together anyway. So it's not two different guys that don't know each other. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's North of Thompson flying small Lake actually is the main camp is what it's called. Oh yeah. Um, and so then in 2014, you started kind of North mountain adventures. Do you want to kind of run through what you guys are doing there? Like, um, I mean, well, like, you know, now or you kind of like went through the guiding thing of it, but like now you're kind of getting into social media, um, doing some TV work. Um, tell us all about what you're doing now. So, um, I guess it started when, uh, the world kind of went upside down there a couple of years ago. And, uh, obviously the U S clients couldn't cross. And I built a couple cabins in our yard and my wife decided, Hey, we should probably like justify having these cabins in the yard <laughs> and, uh, start, uh, you know, getting on social media and seeing if we can book them out just for a B and B, you know, people to come out for a weekend. So we started that and made some trails along the river, along our place. And, um, yeah, it turned out, turned out to work in our favor. They're booked up a lot. And then, uh, <clears throat> since I had the time off, cause I wasn't really outfitting, I decided to start videoing some of the hunts that I was doing and, uh, I put them up on YouTube and it was probably, it must've been six or seven months. Um, I got a phone call from wild TV and I somehow they got a hold of it and they, uh, they asked me if I wanted to wanted to start my own show. So I last year was our first season, I guess, and started with eight eight shows. And this year we're running for thirteen on Wild TV. So kind of went from uh, just being an outfitter to cabin rentals and a TV series. <laughs> That's awesome! Congratulations on the second season and getting more episodes. So, what was it like, like? I don't know if you're a techie guy or not, but like, what was it like filming the hunts? I know like sometimes even just like pulling out my phone to film someone catching a fish, I tend to be watching the guy catching the fish rather than watching through the lens and I miss half of it anyways. So there must've been some learning curves for you going, going to, uh, going through that. Yeah. Um, like I'd said before, Dylan, Dylan, no, um, he kind of started the YouTube with me and obviously he's got little kids and, He's really busy, so he can't uh, pursue with the TV series here, right? He'll be on a couple hunts, but he can't go all in yet, but maybe in a few years. But, but he's more of the techie guy, and uh, we bought a camera, and he went over it, and, you know, he I learned from him. And honestly, it's it takes a bit, but once you start getting in your head that it's camera first and then uh, animal or whatever you're doing, um, it just comes naturally. Then all of a sudden you're just turning the camera on before anything happens. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. And then, so what was that first video that you threw up on YouTube? Like what was the the attraction there from all TV? Uh, it was our elk hunt. We hunted 23A, um, me and Dylan, and we each had a bow tag and we each shot a elk with the bow. Um, I could tell you the whole story, but you could probably just go watch it if you want or anybody that wants to see it. There's some unfortunate, and then there's some ended on a high, so it was pretty give us, good. Give us the Coles notes. Let's hear it. I uh, um, While we kept hearing the, 
there was a bull that kept beating us every morning. Um, he had his herd out there, obviously, and he was smart. He'd get in early, but um, one morning we we figure we beat him. We think it's the bull anyway, and uh, I had a shot at him, and I hit him, and I thought I hit him really good, which I did, but we cannot find blood anywhere, and there's a hill in the field, so he went over that hill, and we did not see where he went in to the bush. We didn't know if he went. We didn't know which way he went. When there's no blood, it just makes it tough. And uh, so anyways, uh, skip forward five days, I found him um, and uh, it was kind of bittersweet, I guess. But then, uh, yeah, a couple, we hunted a couple more days and then Dylan ended up tagging a nice bull with his bow. And uh, so we ended up with some meat. So it turned out to be pretty good, pretty good hunt anyway. Yeah. That's one of the things that I always, like growing up, we always hunted a lot in uh in rifle season and it there's always snow on the ground so it doesn't really matter if you get a good hit or they're ble- bleeding or not you always got some sort of track to follow at least but i i've focused a lot of hunting time now in uh the earlier seasons and it's it's so tough to track something when there's not blood or even to like find blood in the in the dark if they don't start bleeding right away yeah and it's very difficult yeah i um two years ago i shot that archery buck and he was like i don't know 15 yards from my stand and the way i shot like i perfect shot placement basically but the arrow went like from the top going down into the cavity like the chest cavity kind of almost that makes sense so there's no blood and i found like my arrow like a broken off arrow but there's no blood whatsoever and i um looked for i don't know probably an hour and i couldn't find him i couldn't like i didn't understand i'm like like he was like I, there's no way i missed but there's no blood and i you know and then i found the arrow after that hour i guess anyways then my cousin came in and we kind of just like did like a swath and just walked kind of the trail and he was about five ten yards over to the side and he literally it fell in the like the long brown grass like the dead grass that you <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see him and my cousin quentin basically had to step on him to find him but there was like no blood so it was, it was crazy Hmm. It's so easy to lose an animal, I guess, if there's a, in that time of the year when it's September, yeah, October. Well, my, my, the doe that I shot last year, the tree stand, it was like at last light there too. And, and shot it, there was very little blood, like a couple drops here and there. And, uh, I heard the deer go down, you know, when they start kicking and stuff and rustling leaves, I was like, well, she didn't go 50 yards. I can see kind of into the area that she went and uh couldn't find her for forever <laughs> to come back and like get back on the blood trail and once it got dark enough the blood was easier to to find and then eventually found her right away but i was like what is happening like i just pretty much watched this deer die and i can't find it now <laughs> yeah yeah that's the that's the same feeling i had i watched the arrow um hit him right in the boiler room and i was like that like we didn't even think he was gonna we thought he was just gonna be over the hill in the field and uh yeah unfortunately he went a little further than a guy would want him to did you guys have the the cameras rolling when when you yeah. flung the arrow how many yeah, uh did, how many yeah. instant replays did you guys go through <laughs> in that journey <laughs> i, I probably i watched that thing i don't know how many times on for five days and i was convinced that he was right there and he was I just, yeah, it's so thick, the bush, and there yeah. was just zero blood. Wild. 
And how come there's zero blood? Like, what happened? Or just I think, I think that um, from what I, I'll put it this way: from what I learned from that experience, is uh, it doesn't matter how confident you are with your with your bow range and what you're shooting. You got to make sure that um, you have a bow that's shooting good poundage. If you're if you're shooting like forty yard, sixty yards to forty yards, you got to make sure that you're shooting some good poundage on a on an elk so that you can get good penetration through both sides. Because I only got one side penetration right, and the arrow stayed in, and it didn't break off, and you know it, it kind of plugged the hole, I guess. So, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> interesting, very interesting. Yeah, that happens once in a while, and that's the the freaky thing about it is too, like elk are. Elk and bears are probably like the two toughest animals we have in the woods. So it's like, you know, sometimes even if yeah. you do see that good shot, you're like, well, maybe that elk is not there. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the thing too. I've never arrowed an elk, but like both moose that I've arrowed, they, they were like almost like babies. They just like went and laid down and died, but they're like pretty good shots too. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I arrowed a uh, moose also, and yeah, he he didn't go fifty yards, and he laid down right away. It's yeah, elk are a little bit they're a different different animal. Yeah, you guys yeah. kind of got the you're right in the the middle of um, some pretty, I mean, unique country, but <laughs> but you're right on the edge of a of a, oh geez, what am I looking for here? Just uh, sanctuary, sanctuary, yeah. Yeah, so you got the national park there, and that which is obviously heavily uh, regulated and stuff like that. And um, I've been a part of, I, I've flown quite a few of the the surveys up there back in the day when I used to fly. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of animals in there. So you get the you get the the elk, the moose, the deer, the bears, plus there's some pretty decent waterfowl hunting around that country too, right? Yeah, it is. It can be good. Um, I've seen a drop in that too the last few years just because it's so dry, but um, I think lots of those sloughs and stuff filled up this year. So yeah, I've seen a, seen a lot more ducks this spring than I've seen in a long time. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it'll be a good year. I heard I was talking to a, f- a few guys and they said some of the recruitment, some of the some of the banding they were doing, that the numbers were low because of the just the late spring, like the I guess the the birds had to do uh second nesting i guess got pushed back so late but hopefully we get get some good uh birds back because the last couple of years with that drought was was uh certainly tough on them um, um go ahead sheldon no go ahead I'd... i was just gonna say one thing one really cool thing i i seen when i was flying flying around up there was like um it wasn't quite like a, a pure white moose i don't think not quite straight albino but it was like almost pure white this moose that i seen it was insane in I, Mountain? yeah i flew i like went back to it twice just to look at it and t- eventually did take a video of it but uh it's a shitty cell phone video <laughs> yeah. phone video yeah but it was pretty neat it was a pretty cool yeah. thing i've never seen that before yeah hey craig i kind of want to like rewind a little bit back to the elk hunting in uh what did you say 23a yeah um just because like chase and i we've well chase has done a little bit more elk hunting than me but the only elk hunting i've really done is in the 
inner lake area like around ashen hunting like very thick bush but i i kind of want to know how like how you hunt elk when you border up against the national park do you use that to your advantage or disadvantage do you like do you want to just kind of tell me all about it and like um is there other hunting pressures from um you know is, is there a lot of hunting pressure in your area like what's that all like yeah there's enough hunting pressure in the area for sure um there's a lot of private land so sometimes it's hard to get permission but it is a different hunt it um in the sense that your hunt begins early and it ends early and then you know you get an evening hunt in along the park because uh you know they go in the park in the morning and then they don't come out till the evening right so you're not hunting the afternoons chasing bulls or you know chasing chasing bugles till 10 o'clock in the morning because you literally have you know maybe half an hour maybe if you're lucky if they're out far you might have an hour before if they're in the ravines and stuff and they can hide but um it's definitely different you what i've what i've found successful i've killed a lot of bulls in since i was 12 years old and i found that um not bugling and not cow calling in the morning and just sneaking in and getting in place and going off of where you could hear them and letting them come to you is probably what has been most successful for me yeah. along uh, along riding mountain um as soon as you bugle at a bull he rounds his cows up and he's out of there hmm. oh, really? so yeah if you and you can cow call you know and you might get a like you could cow call and you you might get some satellite bulls come to you and stuff but if you cow call and he bugles back at you you have a limited amount of time that you need to be within range of that bull or he's going to take off because he knows how long it takes for that cow to be within range where he can come check her out and if you're not there in that time your hunt's over huh that's interesting that's super interesting and then and then at night or sorry but even in the morning if they do round up and go in like there's no chance you're calling one back out of that bush into the pastures or fields or anything like into the open maybe a satellite bull like i said that kind of follows alongside the herd that's hoping to you know sneak a cow out but uh, that herd bull is not coming back and he ain't you know he ain't letting any cows go back and most of the time if the herd's going in and the cows are going in those satellite bulls are following oh yeah but if you catch it early enough and there's a satellite bull close by that's following and you know he might think you're a a cow that fell back there's a chance that you could get lucky like that Mm -hmm. and then like so do you do some pretty heavy scouting like in like when they're are they kind of like easier to pattern let's say when they're coming out of the park like that like i've heard from some other elk hunters too that elk are super hard to pattern because they seem to go wherever they want most of the time but when they're using the park to their advantage are they they're they kind of doing the same thing day in and day out or yeah they're they're not doing the same thing. They're all over. You'll find the trails and, you know, one day they could be at the West end of the quarter and the next day they could be at the East end of the quarter. It just depends. Um, yeah, they're, they're all over the place. But what I found that if you want to hunt one trail, if you have the time to sit there for the week, you, one morning or one evening, they're going to come by you and you'll get your chance. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've always uh, I always thought hunting around the park border is interesting. 
I've never done it. And I know, I know a few people that have done it and, um, and yes, hear the kind of the same stories. Yeah. They come out in the morning and they're gone and come on at night and, uh, yeah, that'd be tough. So at nighttime you, you can do some bugling and try to get them out earlier. Is that kind of the play there? Yeah. Um, I'm not a big bugler to be honest with you. Um, I know guys that are, and uh, they have some luck with it. I just, and overcalling too, I find will ruin your chances, especially if a bull, because the herd's coming out to feed and the, obviously the herd bulls with them uh, along with the satellites close by. So they're all moving out together. And if you start bugling and being aggressive, he's just going to hold back and he's just going to be like, we're just waiting this out till dark. So you'll never see them before. So I find if I just cow call once every half hour to an hour, just like a couple mews here and there, and uh, just wait it out and let them come feed, I find chances are you're going to see them before dark a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because um, like when we go hunting in the inner lake, and this is kind of just what we've done, I guess, and Chase, you can correct me if I'm wrong if you like, but like a lot of times you do like the, you kind of try to locate them, right? And then we kind of like walk in after them and we, we put a little bit of pressure on those bulls. So it's almost to the point where they've had enough and then they turn around and they come and like cha- kind of challenge us back, right? They keep bugling and you keep talking with them and you kind of follow them around in the bush. And there's been times when Chase and I have been like walking for a few miles and then finally he just like, it's almost like he wants to swat a mosquito, right? Like he just turns around and is like, okay, hey, fuck, what is this? You know? And then we get our chance. Yeah. And maybe we're doing it hundred percent wrong, but we've had a few good chances and just can get the arrow uh, through the trees. It's just so thick in there, but it's kind of cool that there's a bunch of different tactics to uh, hunting those things and comparing it to like, say a whitetail where it's like you, you kind of pattern them and you sit and you wait for them. And it's interesting. I find yeah. it interesting. Do you, I think uh, there's a, go ahead. I was just going to uh, transition over to uh, some moose hunting here, but unless you got something to to add on to the, the elk conversation here. I think uh, to be successful on getting a herd bull to, to challenge them, I was reading, I forget where I read this, but you got to be like within 80 yards of that herd to where he feels threatened um, that you're going to get some of his cows and then you'll get them to challenge you. Yeah, you got to be in tight. I like one of the. I I haven't employed this method yet, but I'd really like to see how it, how it goes. Is just like come in chatting on the cow call, and then once you're in tight, just blast a challenge bugle out at them and see what happens. But yeah, maybe this fall we'll see. Um, how how much uh, moose hunting have you done up? Uh, have you done any moose hunting up around the park there? I've done a little bit up around the park, but I think my where I started my uh, real moose hunting was with uh, Jackson's Lodge and Out, Outpost is where I first started going. Oh, yeah. And my first successful hunts were... Nice. East side of Lake Manitoba, or Lake Winnipeg. I've, yeah, I bet. I've been there a few times, too. Um, I was going to pick your brain about uh, hunting around the park there and what kind of methods you employ for for uh moose hunting there but um what uh what you said you've done a little bit around there what what kind of uh how do you hunt them there around the park um it's a little bit different obviously because the moose aren't coming out to feed all the time but 
I found what works good. Obviously, if you know the area, if you know if there's some big swamps back in the, just inside the park there somewhere, or that stretch out outside of the park. But I find if you get along the park and you, if you have permission for a good ways where you can walk a couple miles, three miles, and just go, you know, four or 500 yards at a time and uh, call and listen and just keep going and then make your way back slow. And you do that for a couple nights and chances are you're going to get something's attention. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I guess it's kind of in, in a way that if you do that, like you said, a few nights in a row, it's kind of the same thing as those stories about like uh, setting up for moose and calling in that same bay for two or three days and finally one shows up. Yeah. Kind of the same concept, I guess. I, yeah, for sure. I found even up north, um, and I did some guiding in BC, and I could see bulls, and I knew they were there, and they would not answer. But if you moved 300 yards and called, they would answer. Huh. So that's kind of where my, uh, I guess, I don't want to ruin my success, but because I've been, I want to knock on wood, because I've never flown in somewhere and not called bulls in. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of my strategy. If I'm not here, nothing, and it's not going good, obviously start walking and start calling. Huh. That's a good tip. I, I don't think I've ever employed that before. I know I've like switched on well, sides of bays and stuff because of wind, um, but to no success that I know of. And that's the thing that gets kind of difficult when it comes to hunting in the far north and big bush and lake edges and stuff is that like, they literally could be like 10 yards in the bush on the other side of the bay and you would never see them. But to my knowledge, I've never had success doing that, but that's interesting. I might have to put that into the plan, put it into the pocket of tricks. Um, you did a bit of hunting out, yeah. out West too, though. Hey, Craig. Yeah, I did last year. Um, I went on a mule deer hunt uh, in the mountains and that was phenomenal. And I did one in Idaho too. Um that was probably one of my favorite hunts was in Idaho, um, going after muleys in the mountains. And just because I'm that guy that I, I like to just find a place and then I'll call their conservation or whoever it is and be like, you know, can you tell me a bit about the area and then, uh, get there and, and I just start walking and hunting and the challenge obviously is more fun than obviously it's nice to come home with an animal every time, but the challenge and the whole, the whole experience and the adventure is probably what, what drives me more to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What, like, that's the, I know Chase has mentioned it a few times, but like doing some of these mountain hunts almost scare me in a few different ways of like, I think my anxiety would go up a little bit about getting lost, um, hunting that new, very new territory. But the other thing is like, getting somewhere and then being like fucking so exhausted that you can't get out like is there a lot of prep work before you before you head west or go to idaho getting in shape getting those legs yeah, going yeah you know what i i i think people overthink it a little bit um like idaho we went to seven thousand feet a couple of days and and don't get me wrong it, it wasn't easy but your body is like our bodies are built tough and after doing that for two or three days, your bot, you know, it gets into a routine that, um, you know, it just does it. And then all of a sudden you're not even thinking about it. It's almost like hockey, you know, your first day out, it's terrible, but the next time it's easier and the next time it's easier, you know, 
so it's uh yeah it, it was it was awesome and i didn't take a mule deer off the mountain there i could have um i had one at 70 yards but it was a fork and i was i was like well i i'll let him mature a bit and it was early in the hunt but i'm definitely gonna take one off that mountain and i'm gonna get it on film for sure nice get a bone to pick with that mountain now <laughs> yeah yeah can't give up and you guys sent camp back up like like a backcountry camp somewhere or how do you guys get set up that way uh there you can do it three you can do that or you can bring there's places you can park your camper along the mountain and but the last time i went there were supposed to be five of us so i rented a cabin and then it turned into two of us but the cabin was all right it was nice nice nothing like two guys in a hot tub and a cabin in the mountains (laughs) (laughs) i swear that my my other buddies were uh were coming they just ditched (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh that's funny yeah oh man what's uh i'm curious about what your uh your your firearm of choice is uh for going out west I have a 300 Tika nice. Hunter. Um, yeah. And I recently put on a uh, Athlon Optics scope. And um, I actually really like it. It's it's unreal, actually. I'm, I'm curious. There's a lot of folks that, uh, well, Tika is a pretty popular firearm amongst a lot of folks. I know they, they do make a pretty good product. They, they cold test all their all their um their stuff and everything and and it like they feel like such a solid gun when you when you have them um and and they always seem to have the right balance of like just being really solid and but light enough that you're not going to kill yourself carrying around all day but um have you had any issues with the tika or any complaints about that firearm at all or anything any improvements you think they could make I have not had any problems with it. It's always been awesome. The everything about it I like. Um, the thing that they could do is put a better shoulder relief on uh, the model that I have because my three hundred, when you're lining it up, you, you feel it. Oh yeah. yeah, I've I know now. Um, my cousin runs a T three. And he, there's a, I might have to maybe get you the website, but there's actually like a muzzle brake that you can buy. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but it's an actual like screw on muzzle brake. And what you do is you like measure your barrel, give them the dimensions and they machine it. And apparently what there's like my cousin and them have said, it's like night and day because like he said, it was almost to the point, like you didn't even want to pull the trigger. Like it was that much of uh I don't know. As he said it was like almost getting them just just about to flinch, and then once you got this muzzle brake on it, it's it's helped lots. So I don't know if that's something you're interested in. If you are, then I'll give you some details off air. But yeah, the only problem with the the muzzle brakes is that um, if you're not wearing earplugs, you're man, it hurts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Trading the shoulder pain in for some uh, some hearing loss. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to make a point of wearing those, uh, wearing some ear protection, even just out rifle hunting, but uh, um, I, I haven't ever accomplished actually getting something in my ears before I pull the trigger. 
<laughs> well, there's a big box. Yeah. Hold on. It's like just like putting shit in your ears. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Where is this buck? Yeah. Generally more c- concerned about getting l- rounds down range than throwing in some earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I got to start yeah. filming some more hunts and then that'll, that'll get me to slow down a little bit. I think probably help. <laughs> right on. And then Craig, you, um, so yeah, they getting back to North Mountain Adventures. You guys do a lot of like social media. It seems to be like very, f- a family run, um, group. Like as in uh, bait and bears, you know, you see some of your TikToks and stuff with your with your kid. And how is that going? Like running running a little business with your family? Is that uh, get tense at times, or or how do you how do you enjoy it? I actually enjoy it. My wife is uh, she's the she's the guru when it comes to that stuff. Like she'll I take pictures and I do the stuff and I come up with ideas, and then she's. Uh, She'll be at home and she just, you know, sets out the post for the week and she does it all for me. So that's obviously a huge help. It takes a lot because, I mean, it would take me twice the time that it takes her for one thing. And uh, Kirsten, she's a little bit shy, my youngest one. So she's not too involved yet. She's young, but Hayden, he's uh, he he's a like firecracker. A <laughs> yeah. And uh, he wants his own YouTube channel already. And we're just holding off a bit here till we told him when he's 12 and he turns 12 this fall. So you'll, uh, you'll see him on some YouTube channels. I'm sure he's, uh, he's got lots of stuff up his sleeve. That one. <laughs> Let him rip, oh, yeah. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Is he, um, like raring to go hunting? Like if he's turning 12, getting his hunter safety and then, uh, when, when, not only that, like, what does he want to do for YouTube? Like fishing or hunting or trapping? Like, what is he thinking? He, he's, he loves it all, but he's hardcore trapping. Um, he started last year. Um, he got all the stuff. He watched the videos. He knows more about trapping than I've ever knew about. And he learned it all in a year. So last winter, uh, I, uh, got him set up. I bought a new snow machine and me and him just went out and, and I let him do his thing. And I just had to be there obviously, cause he's not uh, old enough yet. And we just trapped together and and it, it was actually impressive and he did good it was uh it was an eye-opener to see a 11 year old be that uh uh how do you say it be that consistent on everything that he does i guess yeah has a little bit of pride a little bit of passion that must be yeah it must be a cool feeling as a father to you know um yeah be out trapping with your kid like uh that'd be pretty cool and like what, what are you guys kind of going for like what's your target we were going after uh primarily coyotes and then we did some martin too um but obviously most of the stuff the market dropped right off there last year so uh, we kind of stuck to a couple and let him get the feel of it and he did good that's awesome that's really impressive yeah i've i've watched a few like i said a few of your tiktoks and on there and there's one he's talking about like i don't know you guys are driving in the side by side and he was saying something funny. I was laughing my ass off anyways. And then the other one that I really liked was the one about your about mowing or something. About your wife buggered up the blades on your mower. That was a good one. That one got a lot of uh, hits, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it but, was like 440,000 views or something. Yeah, it's insane. It's crazy how, like, social media and, like, marketing, how you can, like, almost kind of market through social media. And, like, 
it's almost like every view you get well someone's seeing your logo at the very least and then you know if they ever see it again yeah. like oh yeah it's that uh, guy on tiktok or that i seen that post on youtube or on instagram you know but and yeah. what about what about waterfowl do you you guys do much waterfowl hunting in that area you know what i try to take uh hayden out a bit to do a bit of waterfowl because he likes it and i like it um but usually we're so busy with big game hunting that um it's tough to get out but we try to get out with our family a bit but this year i'm going uh i'm actually headed up to my cousin evan sleeve lake outfitters and i'm gonna go film a show with him and uh yeah so i'll get some first class knowledge on on uh some waterfowl hunting because i am that is one thing that i'm not i'm com i can confidently say that i'm not a professional waterfowl hunter <laughs> where about is sleeve lake and is that in saskatchewan no sleeve lake is uh by uh ashern actually okay yeah, man that's where that's our elk hunting territory oh, sleeve lake i was gonna say i'm like fuck i know that <clears throat> that that name that's crazy and yeah. that, those are big birds in there like big canadas and stuff in that area yeah yeah we have a we do quite a bit of hunting like down in Nipah, between Nipah and Minidosa and like the, the pothole region there in Minidosa. And a lot of the Canadas that we do get are all lessers, like small Canadas. So when we get a, a chance at some big like 747s flying in, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive when those big geese come in. But I've never been on like a big, big like Canada goose shoot. It's always more or less lessers. And then you get, you know, at the end of the shoot, you get the, the big geese coming in. But. There's been quite a few times actually you get into those uh those good pea fields and stuff and you get set up and then it's almost like you blow your chance and you shoot all these lesser Canadas and then you're limited out and then all of a sudden all these big geese coming in and you're like, damn it, like I should have waited. But you never know. You never know. Yeah, there's definitely an art to it, that is for sure. From what I've noticed, like you can't just go out there and throw your decoys wherever you want and put your blinds up and geese you're just gonna sail in and you're gonna limit out um i found that out a lot so yeah. it's uh kind of neat to to watch other people and how they set up and do it and get all these birds to just commit right in yeah i we actually just did a podcast with a guy who used to hunt with uh, a bit when i was like in my 20s and he was a guide uh in manitoba for a bit and now he's down south in uh, minot but he was saying something interesting about um using the sun to your advantage and i've always thought of the sun as being like a disadvantage and always trying to hide from it and like he's talking about and this is stuff like i didn't really ever really put in perspective but like using the sun to your advantage if you can to set up so that the geese are always looking in the sun and they won't even notice you on the ground and i'm like fuck i don't even think of shit like that like i think of the wind and i think of like how i'm going to set up my decoys and as long as i don't spill my coffee and you know it'll be a good hunt you know regardless but yeah there's a lot of tactics yeah. and, and things you can <laughs> use that's for sure but um what else do i got here on the docket chase do you got any more questions over on your end um i would like to i'm always curious about uh about guys that are eating bear and i've been saying this for the last two years that i want to get a bear and i haven't got one yet um i kind of haven't really pursued bear that uh heavily the last couple of years but uh you said the uh, little backstrap in the frying pan is uh, a solid go-to recipe but do you have any other go-to recipes for cooking bear yeah uh probably a hunter fan favorite is uh 
bare, just a bare back strap and uh, put whatever kind of spice you want on it and throw it on the smoker for about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. Let it get a good smoke and then wrap it and finish it. Um, all you got to do is make sure that you're cooking it over 140 mm-hmm. and uh, then just slice it up. And um, there was, yeah, probably half the hunters this spring that tried that said that they liked it more than their venison down south nice really yeah there's a huge like misconception i think when it comes to bear and bear meat in general and a lot of people are like i've heard of like guys doing all sorts of things with their bears like and not utilizing it but it's just like i don't know i live with an outfitter for six months and 50 percent of the meals was black bear like black bear roasts and ribs and everything else and i didn't if he didn't tell me it was black bear, i wouldn't even never known like it's, I think it's a good meat, but it just seems like I think we just need to be more educated on the fact that eating bear meat is, is it's not a bad thing. I mean, unless you're going to eat a dump bear that's full of diapers, but. <laughs> yeah, and that's where you're going to get your trigonosis from, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you, um, what else do you got? I've seen that you've been doing a little bit of, of cooking over the fire. Like anything that you, uh, what's your like family favorite? meal when it comes to wild wild food like what are your kids and your wife always asking you to cook i would say it's probably what i told you that um but it would be moose my wife likes moose the best for sure um hayden he just likes anything that he knows we we shot or caught out of the water it doesn't matter what it is he likes it and kirsten she just likes everything she don't care well that's easy yeah, but it's definitely wild meat, um, elk or moose, um, beef. We eat beef, but um, it's not a fan favorite, that's for sure. Yeah, right on. Um, other than that, I don't have too many more questions for you, Greg, um, but I do want to know, like you kind of told like that good elk story, um, but I'm a, I'm kind of a, a moose nut. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if do you have like that one good moose hunting story, maybe you can share with us or, or a, or a story about you being in the, in the moose woods and something happening to you. You got anything you can share with us before we take off? Yeah, I could, uh, nothing crazy that happened, happened to me in the moose woods, but last fall, I, uh, of course, um, my dad's got five different camps, four or five different camps on lakes. So there's obviously guides at each camp and we always have a little, uh, every year we have a little wager on, uh, who can guide the biggest moose out. And, uh, so this past fall, um, I knew, I think it was 51 and a quarter is what, uh, my dad had down, um, at his camp. And so I talked, talked to the hunter and I said, you know, you can shoot whatever you want. Um, and he had hunted with me before and he said, we ain't shooting one unless we're winning. And I said, (laughs) all right, I like how you think. And, uh, so we hunted all week. His buddy shot one the first day we passed up bulls all week, some nice bulls that I was like, I don't know, man, I think you should, you know, like 50 inch bulls that I was like, I think you should think about this. And he's like, nope. Like, all right. So we kept going and the last three hours of the last day, um, a cow started bawling to the left of me and, uh, I let her call for a bit and she stopped. And then I threw some call cows out 
And I look to my right, and there is this monster bull standing on the shore of the river, looking straight across and about 300 yards. And uh, he put two in it, and we walked up there, and he ended up being 57 inches. So I was probably pretty memorable for me. And you can actually watch that uh, either on Wild TV or on my YouTube channel. That's awesome. For anybody that's listening, what, first of all, can you, I'll give you some free ad reads here. Your moose camp that your parents own, that's called what again? McCarthy's? McCarthy's Guiding and Outfitting. Okay. That's number one. Number two, your guiding outfit uh, around Riding Mountain in Manitoba is called? North Mountain Adventures. And you can find that all on Instagram, all all your social media. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook. Um youtube nice. and tiktok and then on wild tv when's uh i mean if i guess it depends on your or what on wild tv when can you find your show on there uh our show airs the first quarter usually next year it'll be the first half of uh, the year but uh, you can download the wild tv app okay. um and uh you can watch any show anytime that's cool and that's that. is your your show self-titled as well north mountain adventures yeah you nice. bet. Right on. And then on YouTube, same thing. North Mountain Adventures. You can look up some hunts. You can find that elk hunt that you uh, arrowed an elk never found for a few days and a couple other hunts on there. Is everything that you have on Wild TV on YouTube as well, eventually? It is It is now, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Right on. And then what do you got planned coming up? I mean, the fall is just around the corner. You got anything that you want to let the cat out of the bag on? Like, are you just doing your regular, you know, bear hunt, deer hunt? I, uh... I never actually uh, got a deer on camera yet with a kill. So uh, it's Hayden. He's 12 for the first. So he'll be hunting his first deer. So I think I'm going to bring him out in the middle of the bush and do some camping and uh, get him his first deer. And then uh, me and my wife are going on a BC mule deer hunt. And of course, I'll be in uh, moose camp for a couple weeks filming. And uh, yeah, just try to get a whitetail down myself, hopefully with my bow. Nice. What are you shooting for a bow anyways? I forgot to ask you. APA. I just bought it. Oh, yeah. Local. Scotch one, isn't it? Yeah. You betcha. Nice. And how do you how do you like that? I like it. Um, I got some more practicing to do with it to get a little more used to it, but um, it feels good. Um, yeah. It's shooting and it's fast. Yeah. I've always seen the APA and I've always contemplating it, but I haven't got off the Hoyt train yet. I know uh, Chase is shooting matthews now mm-hmm. trader but whatever it's a nice bow nicest bow i shot in the in the in the archery range so i have to get it yeah i did <laughs> matthews until i got this apa i had matthews since i was 18 years old so i just wanted to try something different yeah well apa makes a good rig too um a little i want a little dad to dad advice here and maybe maybe this will have to go off air but uh We'll, we'll bleep we'll bleep out the phone number but uh can you hook me up with a, a good babysitter for that one week uh or that uh that week-long hunt you guys are heading out on for the kiddos <laughs> uh the babysitter will probably be their their grandparents <laughs> nice <laughs> nice that's, that's awesome that's awesome having that close to home for sure well i think uh we got quite a bit of good information here on this podcast and what we like to do kind of at the end of it is just do a little bit of a round table where we kind of tell our last thoughts. And so I'll let you think about one, if you got one, Craig, but 
I'll just like to say that uh, it's pretty cool in the last few years that we started doing the podcast and we got to connect with so many different people and to connect with guys like yourself that are local and, you know, are, are willing to talk with us and then give out, you know, tips and talk strategy and everything else is super cool. Um, I also am really impressed with like the whole family aspect. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't have family, but I know like um, going hunting with my dad and stuff like that is really close to my heart. So when you can take your kid out trapping and, and doing that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm sure he's probably uh, raring to go this fall to go shoot a deer. All that stuff is, is just amazing to me. I think it's, it's one of the things that we got to keep promoting as uh, outdoors people, um, getting kids outside, getting them outdoors. Um, make sure you let him know that we wish him the best of luck this year in the field for his first year. Um, and if he wants to, have a listen to a podcast we just did one with richie casement and his son jack who shot his first black bear so if you want some listening to do um talking about passion that kid had a lot of passion too so good luck this year craig on everything that you're doing um again it's pretty cool to see you on social media and everywhere else and it was a pleasure to have you on our show yeah, i i appreciate it you guys it's uh i've been you know listening to as much of the podcast you guys got going here and Manitoba and it's pretty cool to connect with with uh people like yourselves and yeah it's it's uh it's kind of surreal and at the same time it's exciting and I hope all the best for you guys and it keeps going thanks man Chase you got anything else before we uh say goodbye um I just uh well I'm pretty pumped for for fall coming up after this conversation and uh just good luck this fall sounds like you got a, a, some exciting plans or some exciting hunts and some exciting adventures coming up and uh i'm i'm looking forward to to checking them all out so good luck shoot straight and uh yeah almost have to do like a, a post-season podcast post-season see, how wrap up. see how everyone made out yeah at north mountain adventures <laughs> okay take care craig awesome thanks guys And that's a wrap for episode 132 with uh, Craig McCarthy, man. And, um, I know you weren't on this one, Tristan, but uh, I would sure love to get up to, he's got a couple of Airbnb cabins up up in the hills there. It'd be pretty awesome to, to go enjoy and and uh, maybe a spot to stay for a little winter fish or a little fall adventure just up in uh, Riding Mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? You just let me know. I'll let my secretary know. And then... Uh... Well, how many people call your people and we'll make it work. <laughs> right on. Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And if you're interested in uh, supporting the podcast here, two easiest things you could do is like this episode and give it a share or share our podcast in general and uh, give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. And uh, if you want to do something more, head over to our store, load up some gear. We love to see you out in our gear we got some uh great gear for the fall the crew neck hoodies are probably my favorite um we also have some camo hoodies and some goose hoodies signature hoodies a few t-shirts great selection of hats and buffs so um lots of great stuff in there plus our camp cups tin cups man who doesn't like a good retro tin cup to sip a morning coffee or a evening whiskey out of fit right in around the campfire so Go pick them up in our store, panoramicoutdoors.com. 
And uh, on that note, we signing did, out. Did, yeah, did you say morning whiskey? Uh, depends, depends. Sometimes maybe. evening whiskeys turn into morning whiskeys. <laughs> but maybe I'm just hearing. Yeah, it depends on how big the trophy <laughs> night is. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, if you're heading a field or if you're just hanging out, we just want to say, you know, keep those broadheads sharp. Hopefully, you keep your boots dry. Yeah, and I hope uh, keep your camp cocktails cold. There you go. Have a good one, folks. Bye.